You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side Network. Today's special extra bonus episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Lockdown sent you. Happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day. Was not planning to record a podcast today. This is a semi-emergency podcast. I don't know if it's technically an emergency if it's recorded 12 hours Uh, more than that, 15 hours or so after the news broke. However, I needed to get my thoughts together and, um, you know, figured we could also preview Wolves Bulls this evening as well. So I'll spend most of the show today talking about the breaking news regarding the apparently pending Timberwolves sale to uh, a couple of big name folks, Alex Rodriguez, former MLB superstar, and uh, Mark Laura, billionaire, who is uh, an executive at Walmart, I think most recently. Um, So I'll talk about that today. I want to kind of get the facts out there, what we know so far, um, just from all all the different folks who have reported on this, and then get into kind of the, the good and the bad. You know, what's the why is it maybe a good thing that this that this group will be buying the team from Glenn Taylor uh, allegedly or reportedly, um, and then why could it be a bad thing? I think we can cover both sides of this, and and again, this is still very fresh news. We don't know a ton yet, um, so I'm going to do my best to kind of parse all that and and give my thoughts on it here over the over the first chunk of the show. And then we'll, we'll close with the Wolves Bulls preview for Sunday evening's game. Um, and then of course have a post game pod that comes up after the game as well. So, uh, that's what we'll do today. Quickly off the top though, quick reminder is always that you can follow the podcast anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all new Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at locked on T wolves and at B beacon. It's B beacon, two B's, two E's, C K. E-N. Okay, so here's what we know so far. We know that this is a relatively new development. According to um, according to Darren Wolfson of KSCP and Score North, he tweeted out late on Saturday that he says he had a 20-minute conversation with Glenn Taylor, and he said, amazingly, the negotiations with A-Rod and Lori started, or Lore, excuse me, started just a week ago, and they'll be in town on Monday to meet with Timberwolves and Lynx employees and Taylor met in person with four other groups, but the A-Rod Lore group won him over the most. So it sounds like this was a relatively, they were they were a late um, addition to the to the bidding war, I guess. I, I don't know if bidding war is the right term or not, but we've heard all along that Glenn Taylor had rejected offers and rebuffed advances from several groups who wanted to pay more than the Forbes valuation, which is I think around 1.35 or so billion, um, and because they were interested in moving the team. And, and they, you know, would have had either strong ties to like a Las Vegas or a Seattle, or at least the desire to move the team somewhere in the near future. And I mean, apparently that's not the case with A-Rod and Lord. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit. Um, but that's what Darren Wolfson said. This, this was first broke uh, by John Krasinski at The Athletic, actually. I know that Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN put it out there, but I believe that John was the first on the story. And Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted out shortly afterwards, Sham Sharania from The Athletic chimed in and contributed with John Krasinski a little bit. And the report that was out there initially is basically just, hey, you know, this 
these this group led by Mark Lore, who's a billionaire, and Alex Rodriguez, the former MLB player and who's now an entrepreneur. He's stayed in the public eye as an announcer on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, that they have put together a group that entered into an exclusive purchase agreement with Glenn Taylor, which means they've got now 30 days to negotiate a everything about the sale. Now, this did happen before. Back in September, the group led by Dan, uh, I think it's Daniel Strauss. Um, yes, definitely Daniel Strauss, the former minority owner of the Grizzlies, was in a a 30 day negotiating window. They had signed the paperwork where it was only it was exclusive. It was like late August to late September. It didn't happen. There was never even a leaked potential valuation of the franchise based on those conversations. That's what's different this time around is that there's apparently agreed upon valuation. And this is according to John Krasinski at The Athletic. He reports in his article that you need a subscription, of course, to read it at The Athletic, but he reports that the valuation has already been agreed upon and that's $1.5 billion, which is higher than the Forbes valuation. It's higher than people like Brian Windhorst at ESPN back in like November, for whatever reason, started talking about how the Timberwolves weren't worth, that Glenn wasn't going to get more than $1.2 billion or so if he wasn't going to allow the team to be moved, which of course I said this at the time, that was ridiculous. I mean, that's just not, I mean, since, I mean, I guess that was around the time the jazz were sold for uh, a similar valuation. Um, Let's see, actually the jazz were, were sold for 1.66 billion back in mid December. And uh, I, I mean, at the time, it was like, okay, well, if the if the Jazz could be one, you know almost one point seven billion, the Wolves should be around one point five, right? And that's what ended up happening, regardless of what Windhorst and others said at the time. Um, but at any rate, that's the reported sale price. Which the fact that that's out there and that that's a thing now, right? That that that, that has been established, that matters quite a bit. Um, and the fact that it happened within a week means that things got really serious. Also, John Krasinski reports that Glenn Taylor met with Mark Lore and Alex Rodriguez. Uh, Glenn and Becky Taylor met with them down in Florida, Naples, at Glenn and and Becky Taylor's residence there and had the conversation. And um, and Taylor, there's actually a quote now in Krasinski's updated article where he says, I like how they think, meaning Rodriguez and Laura, how they treat people, how they think about working with people. I like that they're both really, really competitive personalities, Um, which is which is like, obviously, we know that Taylor is going to be really choosy about who he sells the team to, right? Because of the, there had previously been reported, it was around a dozen groups had been interested on some level, but Taylor wasn't going to sell to somebody that he thought would move the team. Now, all along, we've thought that, and I'll get more into the relocation aspect of things and, and the fear around that next segment. Um, all along, Taylor has maintained that he could, he could sell to somebody who wouldn't move the team. It's unclear how exactly, but that's what he said. And the other, the other, kind of nuance to this deal that's really interesting is that the uh, is that the ownership, the transfer of majority ownership won't actually happen until 2023, that there'll be roughly two years where Taylor is still the majority owner and this new group is the minority owners. And Taylor will effectively mentor, this is reported both by John Krasinski and Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN, that he would basically mentor the new group as they move forward. And then in 23, they would take over. Um, so you'd be looking at a Rodriguez lore majority ownership in 2023. Um, it's it's certainly unique. I I don't know if it's the only time that's happened. Probably not. But Taylor obviously wants to keep his fingerprints on this franchise longer. He wants to see this team be in a better spot competitively on the floor. No doubt, he'd love to see fans back in Target Center. And also, um, there's could and this is just me speculating based on. Uh, what makes sense in my mind that that this could allow the Timberwolves to rebuild. Obviously, the valuation of the franchise is going to be agreed upon when the sale happens, but 
cash flow revenue, all that stuff has been way down and like literal cash flow has been down in the past 12 months, 13 months because of the pandemic. So this would allow some of that to be rebuilt. There could be some rejuvenation in the franchise. Of course, fans haven't gotten in until the last week to see Anthony Edwards play in person. Um, Carl Diddy Towns barely played before the pandemic in that season. He played in like half the game. So there's a D'Angelo Russell has only played in front of fans. What one time, twice, maybe, um, before, well, I guess it was more than that. It was just without towns at the, right before the pandemic. So there's going to be interest from fans clearly. And this could be some renewed interest, even if, even if A-Rod and Laura are not the primary um, majority owners yet. So there, there could be a, a number of reasons for the delay in, in the actual taking over the majority ownership stake. Um, so what I want to do next is I want to talk through, I think there's two distinct thoughts here. There's the, oh, this is awesome. We're going to have a, an A-list celebrity, not to mention A-list celebrity's fiance, Jennifer Lopez, and a billionaire who's successful in plenty of different arenas, a group that was apparently a finalist to buy the New York Mets uh, only a few months ago. This is awesome. You know, they're going to bring, you know, it, it, what they're going to bring credibility, name recognition, et cetera, what have you to the Minnesota Timberwolves. There's also this thought of these guys are big city guys. They're, they're, they don't, they don't have any ties to the Twin Cities that that I'm aware of um, that have been stated publicly. It, you know, is this team going to stay in Minnesota? So those are kind of the two things I want to I want to talk about both of them and, and kind of give give some credence to both angles because I think you can argue pretty easily one way or the other. And the great slash terrible thing is we've got two plus years now to think about this and to uh, to I guess talk ourselves into one side or the other. So I want to try and and get through all that here next um, before we get into the Wolves Bulls preview. Before we do that though, let's talk about our friends at RockAuto.com. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online now for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Remember, the prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and they are the exact same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, uh, let's talk about the good and the bad here. So here's let's start with the good before we get to to the sky's falling take. So the good is uh, Alex Rodriguez, obviously international name recognition, um, a a transcendent MLB player, somebody who signed the largest contract in professional sports history back a couple decades ago. Now, notably, he he intentionally remember Kevin Garnett's deal 
was for 126 million and was was the biggest at the time in in the uh you know a couple years before. A-Rod signed a deal that was worth twice as much, 252 million back with the Texas Rangers. And of course, things didn't turn out great with him in Texas. That was back in 2001. And he ended up going to the Yankees and played for the Yankees forever, ended up being suspended for a year because of his his involvement in the biogenesis scandal, which was the uh, related to PEDs. Um, there were a couple of different PED things throughout his career. So th- that is why, I mean, it's very, very much up in the air whether or not he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame because of that. But if you look at his... Uh, you know, his actual on-field production, even before that was ever a concern. I mean, he's a 14-time All-Star. He won a World Series, three-time AL MVP, won a couple of gold gloves back when he was still a shortstop. So there's no question about his ability, his recognition, playing for a franchise like the Yankees for, uh, what, 10 or 11 years. Everybody knows who he is. He continues to be at the forefront of people's minds, baseball fans especially, because he's a broadcaster on ESPN. Um, He, for a while, had been at Fox Sports. He is a guest judge on, or yeah, I guess judge on, on Shark Tank, um, pretty frequently. And he's just kind of been everywhere and and he's done a lot of things in terms of business ventures as well. Um, so he's been involved obviously in investments. He's got his own corporation, um, that has been doing things like this for, for decades, but especially since retiring has been involved in a a number of different startups. Um, has just been a, a major player in, in, really the investment world is as an entrepreneur, somebody with a big name and a lot of cash from both his, his massive contracts that he had while he was playing his actual salary and also endorsements when he was playing as well. So, um, I mean, there's no questioning that he's just a, an internationally recognized name played for the Yankees. I mean, all that stuff is good. Add into it that his fiance is Jennifer Lopez. And they've been dating now for, I think, four years. Um, they've been engaged for a couple of years. And Jennifer Lopez is is probably even more recognized internationally, uh, you know, certainly including outside the U.S. And uh, you know, she's a, a performer and has been obviously an actress as well. Um, so the, together, it's, it's about as powerful and recognizable as a couple as you can find, which can absolutely be taken as a positive or a negative. And I want to get to the negative part next, but the positive is the name recognition, the chatter currently, as of now, the chatter around the Timberwolves is is peaking, right? More people are learning about the Timberwolves or are questioning or, are, or have questions about the Timberwolves as a franchise, people who aren't necessarily big basketball fans. I mean, there's people who are digging into this now and, and there will be when it, if, if and when it becomes final and once they take over, that's all great. Um, there could be more international interest. The Wolves have already had a, a fairly strong international presence, even um, regardless of their on-court struggles. But a number of their players over the years, being from overseas, being from different countries, and the Timberwolves have done a good job of reaching out to to foreign fans as well. So, um, I mean, it could only help help that, right? It could only help the, the Wolves' international exposure to have Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez be part of their new ownership group. Also domestically here in the U.S., obviously those names are huge. There's going to be some credibility lent to the Timberwolves. And there's the angle of, could this help with free agents? Darren Wolfson had already put out there that that Alex Rodriguez and Bradley Beal are good friends. And obviously, you know, Beal would have to be uh, traded before he hits free agency or anything. But could there be some benefit there? If it's in free agency, or if it's persuading people the Timberwolves want to trade for of like, hey, we're going to take care, you know, and I don't know. I don't know where this lands with players. It really, I'm sure depends on the player. 
but I'm sure that the the profile of Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez, and maybe maybe there's the um, you know to have a former professional athlete as your owner, there's a little bit of an understanding there. Glenn Taylor, by all accounts, is is a great down to earth type person as much as a billionaire can be, but he's not a former pro athlete and he's also 80. And so there's, you know, relating to current athletes might be a lot harder, would certainly be a lot harder than somebody in their forties who was recently a hall of fame caliber athlete, you know, multi, multi-time MVP player like Alex Rodriguez. Right. Um, so there's, there's could be some benefit there. Most certainly. Um, the Mark lore thing too, I don't want that to get overshadowed because he's a huge name in, in, um, and investment in business as well. Um, and this is just me reading off of, this isn't, this is just me reading off his Wikipedia and also some reporting by John Krasinski, but he was the president and CEO of Walmart's uh, e-commerce division until very recently, until this year, uh, for about five years or so. Prior to that, he had uh, founded Jet.com, which was purchased by Walmart. He had also been involved in a couple other tech companies that were sold to Amazon. Um, he was uh, parent company of a family of websites, including diapers.com, like a bunch of these tech groups, uh, these dot coms that he then was able to sell. And interestingly, this is a note that hit both the Krasinski article and is also in his like intro on Wikipedia. It says, after stepping down from Walmart, um, it was reported that Laura's latest project will be a quote, multi-decade project to build a city of the future supported by a reformed version of capitalism. I don't know anything more about that, but I'd like to. I'm really interested in in his thoughts on that, and I don't know if it's if it's like a semi realistic, you know, visionary type thing, or if it's just crazy. But at any rate, he's only 49, so he's not. He's also not a very old billionaire. He's he's a relatively young billionaire. Very recently was involved um, in in some of these different transactions, and uh, has a really um, optimistic and forward thinking view of, you know, what happens next. Um, he, 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 I mentioned this earlier, but him along with Alex Rodriguez, Laura Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez were, were somewhat close to purchasing the New York Mets. Um, I mean, they were involved up until the, the Met, they, they didn't, they weren't right. I mean, they were one of the finalist groups that kept being mentioned partly because of A-Rod's name, of course. Uh, but they were involved there. And at the time, Laura said, you know, shortly afterwards, he said, I'm probably going to buy a sports team. I mean, that's what he wanted to do with his money. He sees that as a sound investment. And he also has this great forward thinking in some ways, the forward thinking aspect of, of, of how he's approaching, of how he apparently approaches business is not too dissimilar from Gerson Rosas and everything we know about him, and what he'd like to do. So, you know, we're talking a long ways down the road before he becomes the majority owner. And if the next couple of years go like the last couple of years, it's certainly possible that that Gerson Rosas isn't around by the time that uh, Laura and Rodriguez would take over. But there's some interesting, you know, the the tech billionaire thing is is a really interesting idea for somebody to take over the Timberwolves because it 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 was always a possibility, but it also would would modernize so much about the Timberwolves, which is what we were excited about, about Gerson Rosas. I mean, Glenn Taylor's owner and Tom Thibodeau in charge of the front office and the bench is a fairly old school type regime, right? And moving towards Rosas and initially Ryan Saunders and now Chris Finch, and then also changing the ownership from an 80 year old billionaire who's, you know, a, a great folksy guy who's been around the you know, Minnesota native has been around owning the team now for 27 years. Uh, and and now you're talking about Lore and Alex Rodriguez, who are both born in New York City, New York natives. Alex Rodriguez with major ties to Miami and uh, you know Dominican Republic uh, background. It's it's a much more you know 
progressive international feel to, to a potential new ownership group. And at the same time, it's it's a pairing that apparently Glenn Taylor and, and Becky Taylor are very comfortable with at, at this stage in the process. So um, there are certain pros to this as a as a possibility um, in terms of a new ownership group. And of course, we don't know anything else yet. We're basing this off of the profiles of, of each each guy of Rodriguez and of Lore and what the initial benefits could be based on name recognition, et cetera. So um, the the flip side, right? Let's talk about why it's not a good thing. And we can start with the celebrity that that I established just a little bit ago. Why would two big city guys, you know, a billionaire in lore and an internationally recognized athlete superstar in Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez, why would they want to have a team that is by all accounts, by winning percentage, literally the worst team in professional sports history at this moment, based on their winning percentage, sorry, worst, worst franchise in sports history, not just this season, but as a franchise, why would they want to purchase that team, which is located in the Twin Cities with, you know, well, let's not call the Twin Cities a small market because they're not. It's like, uh, what, 14th or 15th biggest media market in the US. It's really a mid-sized market, but it's in an unfortunate climate, right? And, and, and myself, as somebody who grew up in the Twin Cities, I understand why people live there and I love the Twin Cities and it's one of the best places you can choose to live regardless of climate. But a billionaire like Alex, or excuse me, like Mark Lore, who can live anywhere he wants, and Alex Rodriguez, who you know spent a ton of time in Florida and uh, you know has family in the Dominican Republic and and could also live anywhere he wants, why would they want to be based in the Twin Cities? Uh, of I mean, just put it right. That's a fair question. It's the question that everybody always asks about. You know, why would anyone want to be there? Well, it's a legitimate question when you're looking at people who don't have any ties there in the first place, and uh, you know do live other places. Well, well, number one, they don't need to be based in the Twin Cities if they own the team, right? I mean, they could they could have a, a condo in, in Minneapolis and and only spend a, a small chunk of time there if they want to for you know business meetings and Timberwolves games during the season or whatever. Um, but the concern that's out there seems to be centered mostly around the idea of possible relocation of the franchise, right? I mean, Seattle hasn't had a team now for. Uh, what, 14 years, Las Vegas has never had a team. The NBA obviously wants to get a team back to Seattle specifically and is interested in the Vegas market. The the NHL team in Vegas, the Golden Knights have done quite well. And there is some understandable trepidation. Alex Rodriguez, of course, has ties to Seattle. He played the first several years of his career in Seattle for the Mariners. And, you know, West Coast, I don't know, say whatever you want about tech companies based in Seattle, based in the based on the West Coast. So there could be a Mark Lore thing there as well. Um, it's understandable why that's where everyone's mind went. Um, it only took a split second for mine to go there as well. But here, here's a couple of reasons immediately why to, to why that's probably not a legit concern quite yet. Number one, we're looking at two plus years down the road before Glenn's even not the majority owner. So this process would even be able to start when he's in the picture, because remember, this is his stipulation is that it's not going to happen, right? Um, Secondly, the NBA wants to expand and the pandemic has no doubt slowed down those conversations, but the NBA would like to have two additional markets, likely Vegas and likely Seattle. And relocation is never the NBA's first option. It just, you know, it just... It, it doesn't look good. It's it's awful for the fan base that's losing a team. Um, the NBA gets more revenue if there's more teams, grand scheme of things. There's also the the franchise fee when you start a franchise, not to mention all the additional revenue and the eyeballs in different additional markets. 
And if Seattle's taken up by a relocating team, now you're looking at Vegas and you got to find one other, and there's other cities, right? I mean, there's Kansas City, you know, St. Louis, there's other teams like in the, I guess Charlotte and Memphis are kind of close to the Virginia Beach area. Virginia Beach is always rumored for an MLB team, but there's, there's other cities that could be options for another NBA team, right? And the NBA doesn't want to have a team relocate to Seattle. It's just not what the league wants. And Adam Silver said that before. Um, and then the climate around COVID-19 and the pandemic is, is going to slow that process down even more, plus the two years of, of Taylor remaining or retaining control as the majority owner. And then the other thing is, Glenn Taylor said to Darren Wolfson, and, and I don't think he's posted the audio yet, but he confirmed on Twitter, somebody asked how confident is he that the team is staying? And, and Darren Wolfson said, incredibly, said something can be put in writing. Which, to this point, I don't understand how that can be the case. I mean, if Glenn's not the owner anymore, I don't understand how you put in writing. I guess it could be similar to like a a non-compete type thing in a contract, right? Like even after you leave, the non-compete states that for 12 months you can't go to XYZ company or whatever. I guess it could be similar to that. I, if, if that's if that's something that Glenn Taylor thinks can happen, then it, it probably can happen, right? Um, and there's going to have to be some legal... Uh, some some language around that in whatever these uh, the documents get drawn up as um, the fee, of course, to break the lease at the Target Center with the city of Minneapolis is only fifty million. Which for Mark Lore, it's probably not not a drop in the bucket, but it's probably not a lot more than that, right? I mean, the guy's worth over a billion dollars, um, and I think they could come up with the cash if it was in their best interest to move the team if they felt it was. But given all those factors and, and given Glenn Taylor's still insistence that the team doesn't move on to Minneapolis, it seems pretty unlikely that it happens. I think that's the most level-headed approach to this. Now, a ton can happen over the next two and a half, three plus years. And until we know what, and I don't know if we'll ever actually see, we probably won't ever actually see the, the literal language that says that the team can't be moved once Taylor is no longer majority owner. But if Taylor remains as a minority owner, which it sounds like he will, perhaps that also changes things. Um and, and we really have to see how this plays out. It's still too early to really um, to, to say much definitively about the future of the franchise. On the one hand, that's good. On the other hand, this could be hanging over the heads of some of, of the fan base a little bit. And, and honestly, once Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lore, if this gets completed and they get in front of microphones and they say, hey, we're so excited. I mean, Clay Bennett did the same thing when he bought the Seattle Supersonics. He sat there and said, this team's not leaving Seattle. And within a couple of years, it was in Oklahoma City. So um, now it's not it's not apples to apples by any means. There's not an arena battle going on in the city of Minneapolis. They've got the renovation with the arena. Um, Clay Bennett had ties to Oklahoma City. He did he, his business was based in Oklahoma City. So there was obvious reasons to think the Sonics were going to move. This is a little different, certainly. Um, actually, a lot different because the, the outgoing owner also is saying the team's got to stay in Minneapolis. So I don't think it's going to be any fun for anyone if we spend the next couple of years bringing our hands over this possibility until we hear something more concrete. And obviously, if we do, we'll talk about it. But it, it's it's interesting. I, I think the easiest way to put it is there's only so many professional sports teams that are for sale, right? And and they're they're assets that are going to continue to increase in value. I mean, Glenn bought the team for under a hundred million, I believe in the mid nineties and is basically flipping it for one and a half billion. It's just insane. And the valuations are going to keep going up. You know, it's plateauing a little because of COVID-19, but the valuations are going to keep going up. It's a positive investment. It makes sense. The Timberwolves in theory are a team on the upswing. And so that's your reason, right? I mean, obviously Rodriguez and, and Laura would have loved to get the New York Mets for a ton of reasons. They didn't. So the Timberwolves are one of the other very few teams that are for sale. And 
there are reasons to be excited about owning the Minnesota Timberwolves. And and apparently, A-Rod and Mark Lore are, are bought in and they are interested in owning the Minnesota Timberwolves. And we're going to find more here in the coming days and weeks and talk more about it here on the show, obviously. But um, that's kind of where we're at at this point is, is uh, it's tough to spin this as a complete negative just based on Glenn Taylor's insistence on the team staying in Minneapolis. Um, I think that it's fair to, to take him at his word on that, that he believes that the team will stay moving forward. All right, we're going to hit a quick Wolves-Bulls preview here next. First, though, uh, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar of all time. There are 18 amazing flavors that you can try. They all taste like candy bars. My favorite new flavors are cookies and cream, cherry barcia, and caramel brownie. Every single Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. They're perfect if you're health-conscious, if you're trying to lose or maintain weight. They're also, every single one is low-calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. If you're on the keto diet, it's perfect for that. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com for 15% off your next order of Built Bars. Let's also talk about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over as is college basketball, but the NBA, the NHL, also Major League Baseball are all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards TV shows and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit today with the promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And hey, uh, college basketball is over, but the NBA draft lottery is only a couple months away. And, and as a Timberwolves fan, you still have to be up to stuff on all the prospects because who knows what's going to happen over the next couple of months. And, and hey, the Wolves could still retain their top pick, top three pick in, in the draft this year. You can get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and more. Four days a week from credentialed draft experts, follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, let's talk Wolves Bulls. So the Wolves have not faced the Chicago Bulls since uh, I guess it was right after Chris Finch took over. Right, it was the second game they lost to the Bucks by twenty seven in Milwaukee uh, the day after Chris Finch took the job, and then the very next night. So this is still what forty eight hours since Chris Finch officially accepted the job, or at least was publicly introduced. The Wolves took the Bulls to overtime and lost by seven in Chicago in a really closely contested game and easily the best game that Finch coached pre-All-Star break. Remember, they got blown out by uh, the Bucks, Wizards, Suns, and Hornets all before the All-Star break, before they kind of got it together. This Bulls game was closely contested. And, uh, you know, Zach Levine was great as he often is these days, 35 points for Zach Levine in the game, although he did have seven turnovers. The Wolves also struggled with Cody White. He had 28 and six and was a plus 10 in this game. Um, Wendell Carter was a monster. He's no longer with the Bulls. This team looks pretty different just based on their moves at the trade deadline. Um, and But that that's what happened the last time around, and I'll get to the Bulls changes here in just a minute. But also in that first meeting, the Timberwolves had Carl Anthony Towns. They had Malik Beasley. They had Anthony Edwards in the starting lineup. There was still no D'Angelo Russell. Towns had 24, 8, and 5 in this game. Beasley had 25 points, but it took him 20 shots to do it. Anthony Edwards had 21 points, took him 20 shots to get it. Jared Vanderbilt started and it was really good in this one. Had, it was a perfect five for five from the floor, shot a bunch of free throws, had 16 points. Um, he played 34 minutes. Of course, he's out of the rotation now. And uh, Jalen Noel is injured now. He had 12 points off the bench in this one. So crazy because we're talking about 
what, six weeks ago? And these teams both look very different from from uh, from how they appeared when they played each other last time around. Um, the Bulls are coming off of an interesting stretch of games here. They had some pretty big victories after a string of losses. So post or right starting right before the trade deadline and then continuing on a week after they had six straight losses to Utah, Cleveland, San Antonio, Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah. So a mix there of some really good teams and some pretty mediocre teams in like Cleveland and San Antonio and even Golden State. But they lost all those games. A couple of them weren't close. Most of them weren't close. And then they won three in a row against good competition. They beat the Brooklyn Nets. They blew out the Indiana Pacers in a big Zach Levine game. They beat the Toronto Raptors. But then on Friday night, they lost the Atlanta Hawks. Zach Levine had 39 points by halftime and finished with 50, 51, I believe. And they lost the Atlanta Hawks by 12. Um, sorry, Zach had 50 points in that game. 18 of 31 shooting, 7 of 12 on threes. But nobody else on the Bulls really came to the party. Um, they have Nikola Vucevic. He's obviously new to the team since the deadline. Um, Thaddeus Young's in the starting lineup now. Kobe White's coming off the bench. Laurie Markkinen's coming off the bench for them. Uh, they also acquired Daniel Tice, uh, who's uh, you know the former Boston Celtic, fantastic defender at the deadline. Um, but I mean, this team still struggles mightily defensively, and uh, that was the biggest issue against Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. They are uh, they're 18th in defensive rating, but um, it's just you know, games like this, giving up 120 to the Hawks and Trey Young, you know, I mentioned Zach Levine's 50 Trey had 42, nine assists and eight rebounds in this game. Clint Capella had 22 and 10. Um, so he and Vucevic essentially canceled each other out in this game, but the bulls don't have a ton of offensive firepower outside of Zach Levine. You've got a few guys that can do damage, but, uh, you know, Tomas Sideranski is not going to consistently do damage on the offensive end of the floor. Patrick Williams is inconsistent as a rookie still. Um, Vucevic is going to be kind of your other guy, right? And if Markkanen is going to come off the bench and see his minutes shrink because of the acquisition of Vucevic, which is exactly what we've seen, he's not going to be able to do as much. Um, he just isn't going to have the same impact. And, and now Vuce is a, is a better defender than Laurie Markkanen, but the Bulls are going to need some scoring punch still. And Markkanen and White both coming off the bench might not do it for them. Thaddeus Young's in the starting lineup. He's still a good defender. Um, and, uh, Patrick Williams, again, inconsistent as a rookie, promising. He's shooting 39% from three, 48% from the floor, but he's not going to be able to do, or he hasn't been able to do, to score with any consistency for this team um, in his rookie season. So it's certainly a beatable team, right? Um, in terms of what this team does well, they're they're 13th in three-point shooting percentage, so they can make threes, but they're only 20th in attempts per game. Um, they're also 10th in pace, so they will play fast. Of course, Zach Levine loves to get out and transition and score, loves to shoot pull-up threes in transition. Um, the Bulls are last in free throw attempts. Uh, you look at some of these box scores recently, and Zach Levine's like the only one that's getting to the free throw line. Vucevic, I would think, could change that a little bit. Um, but he also loves to be on the perimeter as well. And as I mentioned, this team's 18th in defensive rating. Uh, they don't get steals or blocks. Uh, they don't generate turnovers really in, in any sense. So the Wolves should be able to, this version of the Wolves with D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards in the starting lineup should be able to score at will. The question is, can they slow down Zach Levine? And by all accounts, Josh Okogie will be available for this game. And he did, you know, he was big in the Wolves, I guess, not giving up more points to the Celtics. He was like the only good defensive player on the, on the floor for the Wolves on Friday. 
But if they could put a Kogi on Levine to slow him down, they might need to use Jarrett Culver a little bit in this game as well. Jade McDaniels will probably get a shot at some point. He'll probably, they'll probably probably try and get McDaniels involved in some of the sc- ball screen action so then he can get switched on to Levine. I think you'd rather have him on Levine in space than Carl Anthony Towns um, if the Wolves end up switching screens at all. But it'll be interesting to see how they cover that. If it's similar to what they did with Jason Tatum and the Celtics, uh, which of course did not exactly work because it the Wolves don't typically hard hedge ball screens. And and I said this on the postgame pod on Saturday morning, but um, you know, some of the guys that that are guarding perimeter players in the corner, if it's Russell or if it's Edwards or whoever, struggled with the right level of help defense and, and committing on drives and, and ball screen action, leaving guys open in the corner. And the Timberwolves have had a day to fix it, maybe. So if they if they try similar coverage against Zach Levine, because you can't you can't go under screens with Zach Levine. Uh, you can't give him tons of space. He's just going to make three. He's a 42% three-point shooter, and he his, he doesn't matter if he's pulling up, if he's catch and shoot, but he loves to shoot pull-up jumpers. And, I mean, he's just going to kill the Timberwolves if, if they don't figure out a way to slow him down. Um, so be really interested to watch how the Wolves defend the ball screen action in this game. And then also how the Timberwolves, I, I don't think they'll have any problem offensively against this Bulls team, uh, trying to score against their defense. Um, it's all going to come down to Zach Levine. And then also, to a lesser extent, Vucevic, because there's really nobody else. And I say that. Somebody somebody random is probably, Sadoransky is probably going to drop 30 in this game now. But um, the Timberwolves just need to focus on on those two guys. Can you slow down Zach Levine? And secondarily, can Towns basically neutralize Vucevic? And uh, you should be in a good spot, right? Um, I think that I think that that's, the Timberwolves should be competitive and should have a chance at winning this game. Um, you know, remember the Bulls, they're in the mix in the East. They're 10th, right? So that right now, if the season ended, they'd be in the play, play-in uh, tournament. But, I mean, they're 22 and 29, right? So the Timberwolves have a chance to beat this team at a almost full strength, Sands Malik Beasley, and I guess no Jalen Noel as well. Um, the Wolves should have a shot. And it doesn't get easier. They have the Nets, Bucks, and Heat, followed by the Clippers. So the next five games, or excuse me, four games are against really good teams. So the Wolves need to be competitive in this game and have a strong effort and and hopefully come out with a win before they, en- they enter this kind of murderer's row of, of opponents. All right, that's all I have for you today here on the show. Of course, I'll be back after the game this evening with a post-game pod from Wolves Bulls. So be sure that you're following the show. If you're not already, you can follow anywhere. That includes iTunes, that includes Google, Spotify, also the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T and Locked on, or excuse me, and at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that today's Title sponsor of the show was rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Lockdown sent you. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.